Hello everyone, it's Dr. Sam. I'd like to welcome you to my Eye Clarity Podcast. This is a show that offers cutting edge information on how to improve your vision and overall wellness through holistic methods. I so appreciate you spending part of your day with me. If you have questions, you can send them to hello at drsamburn.com. Now, to the latest Eye Clarity episode. All right, so I'm gonna welcome you to my office. And I know many of you who've had eye exams have not been happy with your eye doctor. So hopefully today's visit will be more uplifting, better. You know, it's interesting about when you uh, go to an eye doctor, um, usually you keep going every year and he or she keeps saying things are getting worse. Uh, and there's never a talk that things are getting better. And if you think about it, if you went to a masseuse or a chiropractor and you kept going to them and they kept saying, well, things are getting worse or you felt they were getting worse, you probably wouldn't go back. I mean, why would you want to? But for some reason in eye care, not only is it the norm that you go back and things are getting worse, but there's never any talk that things could get better. And you've heard me on many of my video blogs where I talk about how people go for an exam and they're told they have, uh, have the whole list here, floaters, retinal holes, uh, eye aches, uh, night vision issues, light sensitivity, blepharitis, glaucoma, progressive myopia, whatever it is, and you ask the question, doctor, is there anything that I can do to um, make it any better? All you right. know better than eat. We got to pray so, first. Sam. Thank you, uh, Thank you. Let's you make sure, make sure you're on mute. I forget sometimes, too. The um, gifts which we are receiving from your okay. bounty through Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay. Make sure you're on mute so that we aren't distracting each other. It's really important. All right, we're going to continue. Um, <clears throat> so anyways, you're, you're at my office. And in our office, <laughs> what's kind of cool is people will come in and they'll have blurred vision or some kind of a symptom. And I'll do my exam and I'll say something like, you know, you're actually, your eyes have actually gotten better and your prescription has gotten less, or your cataract is going away, or whatever it is. And people are shocked, because we never ever think that if we do have a symptom, that it means that things have gotten better. We always go to the place, oh my goodness, things must have gotten worse. Well, in my office, most of my patients got better and still get better. And so I asked them, well, what are you doing? And they might say something like, well, I'm doing counseling, I'm getting acupuncture. Uh, they're doing some consciousness expanding experience. And so they then put it together that, well, if I, if I do my healing on my body, on my mind, on my spirit, that I can 
improve my eyesight. So that's why my approach being a whole body experience is super uh, important. All right, so the big question I get all the time, I get this all the time, why do our eyes let us down? I have a whole list of uh, feedback from your questionnaires. Nobody on there said, well, I'm really happy where my eyes are. I just want to be proactive. Everybody has a diagnosis. So what's going on? So the eyes need a lot of oxygenation and hydration. They're made of tiny blood vessels. All the, the back of the eye is a sea of microcapillaries. So at some level, you're losing the oxygenation and the hydration in the eye tissues. I'll say more about that in a moment. And this creates a starvation and a lack of nourishment. So we can talk about things like visual stress, wearing the wrong prescription, getting eye surgeries, traumas, toxicity, systemic imbalances, things like thyroid issues or adrenal issues. So this eye starts to starve and whether it's the front of the eye where the cornea is, this is the healthy lens, this is the vitreous, this is the retina and the nerve, whatever's going on, the eye is not getting the nutrients it needs. So what the eye doctor is actually reporting is your lack of oxygenation, hydration, and starvation, but he's just calling it a disease, and uh, that's basically it. So our eyes make up 2% of the body weight and use 25% of the food intake. Digest that for a minute. If you think about your daily intake of food, and you think about what you eat, whether it's all plant-based, whether you do processed foods, how much sugar you eat, um, fried foods, foods with inflammation, 25% of that is going right into your eyes. <clears throat> this is why a lot of you are talking about cataracts today. And we're going to go very deeply into cataracts <clears throat> in a few minutes. But there is a very strong correlation to what you eat and developing cataracts in your, in your lens. So this means if you start eating a really clean diet, let's put it this way, it puts you into a position where you have a better chance of getting rid of the free radicals that are, that are accumulating in the eyes. Okay. The eyes carry 60 to 80% of body tension. So if you think about how many hours a day you're on screen time, we're all on screen time, right? And we're all focused in one position, in one distance, over and over again. This is creating an incredible amount of tension, just our posture, lack of movement, and it all goes into the eyes. So we're going to talk about ways to discharge this accumulated tension that we don't even know about and that we're not even aware of. And then the last point is 10% of seeing is in the eye, but 90% of seeing is behind the eyes. So when you go for an eye exam, I'm sorry to say this, but your eye doctor is only evaluating the 10% in the eye. He or she 
are not even exploring the other 90%. Well, guess what? Today, not only are we going to include the 10%, but we're also going to include the 90% we see behind the eyes. That's a very important part of the equation. Okay, so here are some important facts to know. The eyes originate from brain tissue. So every part of the eye is brain tissue. So if you have dry eye, let's say you have Fuchs syndrome, corneal dystrophy, the cornea comes from the brain. Let's say you have a cataract, the lens originates from the brain. Let's say you've got a retinal hole, the retina originates from the brain. So why is that important? Because the brain has the capability for something called neurogenesis, meaning you can create new pathways in the brain, parallel universes, or even in some cases regenerate. And we're only using like 3% of our brain anyway. So when the doctor says there's nothing you can do and it can't get any better, he's wrong. That's not true because the eyes come from the brain. And so therefore, because the eyes are part of the brain, there is that neurogenesis potential. We just have to give it the right medicine. And I'm not talking about pharmaceutical drugs. I'm talking about natural medicines. Here's another important fact. The eyes are interrelated and interconnected with our body functions. You've heard me say this before, but in Chinese medicine, many of the glands and organs in the body have meridians that travel to the eyes. And if you were to get into a acupuncture treatment protocol and you were working on improving the eyes, your acupuncturist would probably boost your liver meridian, your spleen, your colon, your large intestine, and maybe some other things. Let's say you've had uh, head trauma, concussions, uh, even if it's emotional trauma, then I would get into craniosacral therapy. So the cranial rhythm in the brain supports nourishment that goes to the eyes. When we expand the cranial rhythm, there's a pumping action in the third ventricle of the brain which moves the cerebral spinal fluid up and down the spine, but it also interfaces with the bones, the fascia, the connective tissue in and around the face and the eyes. So right there, Chinese medicine and craniosacral therapy are two ways to manually boost the oxygenation and hydration into the eye tissue. Even if you don't do any eye exercises, <clears throat> or you don't take any eye nutrients, working with those modalities, and by the way, if you do those nutrients, it pushes the nutrients further into the eyes. If you can get more wave motion in your cranial rhythm, it's going to push more of those nutrients into the blood vessels of the eye. Or if you're getting acupuncture, Acupuncture tends to work more on the electricity of the body and craniosacral works on more of the fluid. You need them both. And for many people, they're either low in their fluid, fluid movement, or their, electric, or their electricity, or both. 
So the acupuncture boosts up the electricity, the electrical connections of these organs to the eyes. If you think about the way you see, light comes into the eyes, electricity, and it stimulates through the photoreceptors an electrical impulse that goes back to the brain. If your electricity level in the eye is low, you're not going to see very well. So the better the energy in the eyes, the clearer, the brighter, the more consistently you will see. And when people say, oh, I'm, I've diminished, I see it here, the diminished seeing, um, haziness, uh, that's congestion on an energetic level. All right, next, 60 to 80% of body tension, we talked about that. And uh, like the first practice we did today, already you are releasing some of the residual tension that we all carry. And I think it's important that we learn how to discharge that stress and tension. All right, so the way to heal your vision and increase your wellness is to do the following. All vision problems have a psycho-emotional and a spiritual component. And in today's class, I'm going to introduce you to a concept called vertical healing versus horizontal. So what is that? what's that mean? So in a horizontal process, let's say you had some trauma in your life, okay? So you find a psychotherapist and you start going and you go for counseling and you're going for 20 years, 25 years, and you're making some progress. That's a, that's a horizontal timeline. Or you get into a quantum field where everybody is in a like-minded cloud and there's an alchemical process that happens that when you get into a field of coherence, your body rearranges its, its energy in a way that creates more resonance and coherence in your mind, body, energy fields, physical body. When that happens, instantaneously, the imbalance that you were dealing with goes away. It dissolves. And so today, because we're all in this vertical healing process, I brought you in. You probably didn't know it on a conscious level, but as you enter this field, then things can shift within this next two hours. And I've seen it over and over again. That's why I do retreats. And when we get into a retreat situation, and this is more in-person retreats, but you can even do it uh, virtually, people make huge changes very quickly. So we know in allopathic treatments, pharmaceuticals, laser surgery, uh, these take us further away from our what we call our bio-intelligence for healing. See, each, every, each and every one of you has a, has a key that we're trying to unlock the secret of what the healing is needed for you, what you need to return to balance. And everybody's key is different. 
So when you do surgery, when you do pharmaceuticals, it actually takes you away from that biological intelligence because all of these things are artificial. The laser is going to create perhaps things like scar tissue, trauma, inflammation, and pharmaceuticals are only treating symptoms as well. They're not getting into the cause causative factors. So the only times you want to use those is briefly uh, for just a short period of time, if you can, until your biointelligence can kick in. Because we know that the side effects of surgery and pharmaceuticals can be high. Remember, symptoms and the diagnosis that you wrote down are only a signal on what's happening on the surface. All right. I'm going to stop here for a minute and see if you've got any questions or any comments. Um, if you want to, you can either type your question in or you can even unmute yourself and you can come on the screen. So somebody's asking about documents. You're going to get this presentation, but you're going to get it tomorrow or Monday. Sometimes what I find is it's better for you just to look at the screen and take a few notes and so you'll get it. Is there any way to do craniosacral online? You know, there actually is. Uh, there are practitioners um, that are doing that. One of the speakers at the Vision Summit, uh, Jaisal Vadgama, who is one of our featured speakers, he does uh, remote craniosacral. So you could contact him. Uh, and if you need his contact information, contact us and we'll we'll do it. You weren't necessarily supposed to put your diagnosis anywhere and you can write it in if you want to right now. We had people just talk about their vision. Okay, so, um, you know, if you've had retinal detachment, there's certain cases where you do need surgery and then you can do some, the same with, we're gonna get into vitreous detachment. So basically, um, you know, with all of these uh, things that, that you wrote out, we're gonna to get to these in just a moment. So I'm gonna go back to our presentation and we're gonna continue on. All right, so I'm going to work from the front of the eye here all the way to the back and give you some really good information on what you can do to start turning this around. So the first place we need to start is on the eyelids. This is a major lymph part of the eye. We have glands here on the eyelashes that produce the tears that are very vulnerable to inflammation, which creates dryness, dehydration. We also have other glands up in this area here that also are very important in producing tears that uh, hydrate our eyes. A lot of people have inflammation in this area and it wreaks havoc in their, wreaks havoc in their tear production. So the eyelids 
are a major lymph system of the eye. They help the cornea, the lens, the vitreous, the retina. Many eye problems are helped by improving the lymph system. And we're going to go into many of these today to see if we can help you boost your lymphatic health as it relates to your eyes. I mean, look at all these conditions. Dry eye, eyelid inflammation, cataracts, glaucoma, floaters, macular degeneration, all related to that inflammation in the eyelids. All right, so those of you who want the protocol for eyelid health, 15% and the 5% eye massage and bath. Many of you who've worked with me know what I'm talking about. Washing your hands, lying down horizontally, letting gravity do the work, putting a drop of the 15% in the corner of the eyes while they remain closed, and then massaging the eyelids and the eyelashes for a good 10 to 20 seconds. The second technique is the eye bath where you're in the same position and you uh, squeeze the bottle so the drops are coming out of into the corner of the eye to the eyelid back to the corner. So you're getting six to eight of those eye drops right in the eye socket, the eyes remain closed. And then, then you can open your eyes and you're going to get a rush of MSM in. Now, if you get burning with the 15%, immediately after you put the 15% in, you can do the 5%. And uh, that's a way for you to get 20% of the MSM in your eyes without um, you know, dealing with the burning. Some other things that you can use for this would be artificial tears. The one that I recommend is Oasis. Um, again, it's not going to, to treat the cause, but if you're really dealing with a uh, pretty severe dry eye, doing the eye bath or the eye massage with Oasis drops is okay. You can do that. In the evening, you can do uh, castor oil eye massage on the eyelids. There are two herbal washes and compresses you can use. One is a fennel chamomile compress and one is a rosebud eye wash. So I'll make those available to you. You know, when you start using things like chamomile and fennel, these actually help reduce inflammation and relax and open up the mucous membranes in and around the eyes. So that's a compress that you create over the eyes. And the second one is one of my favorites, using a rose, a rosebud eye wash, where basically you're using two to three rosebuds, you're creating a, a tea, and uh, then you're going to use an eye cup and you can actually lubricate the eyes that way. So any of you with red eyes, eye, eye aches, tired, overworked, styes, eye crust, itchy, strain, those herbal eye washes are gold. And it may take a few days, but you're going to start to notice your eyes start to regenerate and replenish. So I will, in the packet of handouts, give you the exact ingredients and directions so you can use that. And then last but not least, the importance of fats and oils. These are so important, not only for the eyes, but your neuro neurological health. Uh, critical, critical import, importance 
for getting enough fats and oils, especially the omega-3. So some research says that the benefits of omega-3 has been found to create fewer dry eye symptoms who take a supplement. So uh, it appears the omega-3 can improve the oily part of the tears. And uh, these are the meibomian glands. People that get something called meibomian gland dysfunction should be uh, supplementing with omega-3. That's really important. Some other tips would be uh, people get dry eyes because the watery part of the tear is low. And so this is where the oasis can come in. You know, your eye doctor can, can test you which part of the eye drops are deficient. Um, so sometimes the, the drops evaporate too quickly. This is in number two right here. And this comes from uh, poor quality of the oily a layer. And then you really do have to take into account um, that um, some of the underlying conditions like diabetes, herpes zoster, Lyme's condition, high blood pressure, beta, beta blockers, di diuretics, sleeping pills, medications to lower anxiety, antihistamines. Um, you know, we had the wildfires last summer, so they're gonna create dry eyes, contact lens wearers, eye surgeries like laser surgery, cataract surgery, autoimmune diseases like lupus, Lyme's disease, rheumatoid arthritis, Sorgen's syndrome, women in menopause, and even people are working on computer. We're not blinking as much. And then the big one, the big one is sugar. So the more sugar you eat, the higher risk you're gonna have of dry eye. So similar for dry eye and uh, eyelid inflammation, uh, same formula. The one thing that I will add with styes, some of you have talked about that, there are two possible, three possible things that you could use. Number one would be uh, the organic castor oil that you would massage in and around the, the lids, doing that once or twice a day. Another one you could do, but you need to be very, very careful is on a Q-tip, as long as the sty is not right on the eyelid, is you could add a Q-tip uh, with a little bit of apple cider vinegar. This works really well for Shalazians, but you need to be careful because you're gonna get some burning in and around the eye. So you need to be very, very careful if you're gonna do that. But apple cider vinegar works really well for those hardened um, cysts called Shalazians that tend to form on the eyelids. So to break down dry eye, four categories, increase tears, reduce inflammation. Another one that I like to use is omega-7 fatty acids. Now, not a lot of eye doctors know about this, but there have been some research studies on how omega-7 can also be contributing to reducing dry eye. Macadamia nuts, you can even Google other sources of omega-7, sea buck buckhorn oil, um, avocado oil, olive oil, as long as it's organic, that's more of the omega-6. But again, uh, adding these oils are really important. All right, so we're going to move on.
And we're going to talk about iritis and uveitis briefly. So these are inflammation uh, diseases that occur either in the anterior chamber inside the eye or sometimes the posterior chamber, internal lighting, lining of the eye. So when you go with iritis and uveitis, I think about autoimmune disease. I think about chronic systemic inflammation. I think about stress and I think about trauma. And I might even sometimes think toxicities. So the initial treatment for these two very painful conditions would be uh, steroids. And then to begin to uh, address the inflammation systemically and visually, again, doing things like my 5% MSM, the castor oil, uh, the eye exercises, these would be things to begin to move you away from the chronic inflammation that occurs in that internal lining. It's a very painful uh, scenario and is very tied into our immune health. All right, I wanna to move to glaucoma because this has to do with an imbalance either in not producing enough fluid inside the eye or um, the fluid that is produced has a certain restriction in its flow. So it's really important to protect the optic nerve. That is the critical piece here. And these are great ingredients, N-acetylcysteine, the B vitamins, alpha lipoic acid. And this is one of my favorites. It's an herbal formula called coleus. In fact, one of my patients just wrote me and she'd been using coleus for about six months went back to her eye doctor, and now her eye pressures have returned to normal. She's so excited. Now he doesn't need to see her for six months instead of three months. Super pumped about that. Some other things for glaucoma, you wanna make sure you're getting your glutathione, green tea extract, curcumin. Another one, the combination is if you're already taking eye drops to add fresh maritime bark, better known as pygnogenol and bilberry. In this combination with your pharmaceutical eye drops can lead to lower IOP. This has been researched. So these are things the regular doctors don't know about or they're not interested in sharing, but all of these have, been, have shown up in different research studies that can help neutralize uh, any kind of eye pressure problem. And you should be on these. And of course, your omega-3, which is going to really support the optic nerve. That's really important. So here's the trabecular meshwork right here, these holes. This is the cornea. And so there's an impingement in the meshwork. So the, the it's not flowing from the inside to the outside, uh, the, the front of the eye or the back of the eye like this. So here's the front part, the anterior chamber and the posterior chamber. The fluid is not able to pass through this meshwork, and this creates a damage in the optic nerve. That's kind of, you know, what the basic open angle glaucoma scenario is. I mean, there are many different kinds of glaucoma, but that's one of the, the, the most uh, common type. All right, let's move to cataracts. So you see this lens here, this is how our lens should look, white 
and clear. But because there's no blood vessels that are running through the lens, it relies on its nutrient absorption indirectly. Now, before I give you the protocol, you see it up there, I want to talk about the different kinds of cataracts because people wrote me and they were saying, I have this kind of cataract, I have that kind of cataract. So first of all, let's say it this way. When a doctor diagnoses you with a something called a senile cataract, that usually occurs after the age of 45, and there's a combination of things going on in the lens. Number one, the lens is not able to get rid of its oxidative stress. Number two, it's not absorbing its nutrient absorption. Number three, it's being exposed to high levels of blue light and or high levels of ultraviolet light. But mostly it has to do with an issue with not being able to get rid of the oxidative stress that is growing in this particular area. That's called a senile cataract. Now, if the lens is containing the cataract in the middle of the lens, so it's all in the middle, this is called a nuclear cataract. And some people wrote, I have a nuclear cataract. This particular cataract, the nuclear cataract, is going to block the central part of your vision. It's the most problematic of all the cataracts. So you need to know that. The second type of cataract is called a cortical cataract. That's around the edges. And this one doesn't impact the vision very much at all, but it's very connected to sugar, diabetes. So it's related to the glucose levels not being balanced. And then the third type of cataract is in the back part of the eye, and that's called a posterior subcapsulary cataract. And the symptoms that you're gonna see for that is if you're driving at night and you see halos around the headlights, if you have glare, light sensitivity, uh, that can be due to a posterior subcapsulary cataract. So those are the three main ones that we see. So whatever it is, you want to do this protocol as a starting point. MSM 15%, which is going to push the second eye drop in, Oculomed, which you can get through collegepharmacy.com. I would get yourself on a sublingual Glutathione spray, selenium, the carotenoids, lutein has been found to be deficient in people that are developing cataracts. But taking the big three, lutein, zeaxanthin, astaxanthin, remember your blue blocking filters, vitamin C deficiency, and carnosine. So let's talk about this one for a minute, and carnosine. If you feel like part of your cataract is due to your glucose tolerance or glucose imbalances, um, then what happens is that you might consider the eye drop called CAN-C. 
That is the eye drop that helps reduce glycation in the lens. A lot of times the CAN-C cataract eye drops don't work because you don't have a glycation problem. But if you do, that's the place where the CAN-C eye drops can work. So that's a, that's a note here. And carnosine is what's in the uh, CAN-C and you say it breaks up glycation in the lens. We're gonna be doing some eye exercises today that will stimulate the lymph and continuing my exercises. This is an interesting mantra. What a cataract's about, what a cataract's about is being transparent on a kind of a behavioral level and dissolve, dissolving your own rigidity. Okay, interesting. Okay. Now we're gonna to move to floaters. Okay, let's stop for a minute here and see where you guys are. I lost you for a minute. All right. The castor oil massage is done um, a little differently, what you're doing there, let me um, give you the full screen. If you can see me, you're gonna take a drop of the castor oil and you're gonna close your eyes and you're massaging on the upper lid and the lower lid and even around the eyes. So the eyes are closed, that's what you're doing there. Um, all right, looks like we're all, we're all on the same page. Um, all right, there's a question. If you're, if you're starting a detox program with food, should you focus on the eye lymph system as well? Yes, 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 absolutely. The more you bring your eyes into the equation of you know, healing your body, again, the eyes are so interrelated that you will do that vertical healing I talked about where you get to the goal much quicker. So definitely, 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 definitely. All right. We'll go back and we'll continue. Now we're gonna get into, um, let's see where we are here. We're gonna go to floaters. All right, so those of you that know my, uh, you know, my content, one of my sayings about floaters is when you have one kind of floaters, you have one kind of floaters, meaning there are so many different reasons why we develop floaters and people get super frustrated because they try one thing and it doesn't work and they get more and more emotionally frustrated. So you have to know that in floaters, the deal is, is that the vitreous gel sac, the gel, this part of the anatomy is made of a gel and it's made up in a way that's collagen, protein, 
water, amino acids. And one of the things that happens in this condition is this particular structure begins to shrink. The collagen hardens. The protein flicks off the collagen and it starts floating in the vitreous gel. So your vitreous is shrinking, it's dehydrating, and this is the start of floaters. It can actually pull away from the macula area. So here's the macula here, and there's an attachment of the vitreous to the retina, which can pull away, and this causes things like epiretinal membrane disorder, retinal holes, um, flashing lights, vitreous detachment. I mean, it's all part of the same uh, syndrome where the vitreous isn't getting enough water. It's not getting enough fluid. That's the key. So you need to think collagen health, liver detox, I would start with the 15% MSM. My eye vitamin has got all of these things in here, which are very important for collagen health. You can also look for something called hyaluronic acid. Hyaluronic acid can also sometimes be helpful for floaters. One of the reasons why I like to do a liver detox is that if you've had any compromising dental care, like uh, root canals, like um, hmm, mercury amalgams, or let's say you've been exposed to either heavy metals environmentally, just generally, or even pesticides, which creates a lot of inflammation in the gut. This is going to affect your collagen health. Now, on a dietary level, you can get collagen from MSM, from bone broth, things like garlic, uh, citrus fruits. You could actually Google, how do I get more collagen in my body? It's related to your connective tissue. So as we age, our body dries out and the vitreous when it dries out, it shrinks. This is the start of all these conditions. And so you need to boost your collagen health, both on a global level, that's a systemic level, and on a local level using the eye drops. One last thing, of course, your blue blockers, because the blue light can also uh, accelerate uh, the, the formation of floaters. All right, this particular condition, macular degeneration, it's epidemics. This is epidemically increasing. We know the macula has the highest metabolic need in the retina. So here are two, uh, this is one part of the macula, this is wet, and this is the dry. So this is the optic nerve. And this is the wet macular degeneration, about 
of all dry macular uh, macular degeneration becomes wet. And the macular pucker, by the way, which is another term of that is uh, electro uh, is uh, epiretinal membrane disorder. Again, it's back to the vitreous pulling on the retina, which creates a waviness in this area. And the waviness is gonna look like this. This is what we call the Amsler grid. So the macula is another one of these structures that's avascular. It relies on its blood supply indirectly to get its nutrients absorption. So it's another vulnerable area from, uh, you know, getting the nutrients it needs. All right, I wanna talk about this particular, this is an important slide, and I haven't really talked so much about this before, uh, but in the medical world, they're talking about something called um, vascular endothelial growth factor, better known as VEGF. And this is a signaling protein, it's an endothelial growth factor produced in the cells that when it's high in the bloodstream, it's making these new blood vessels called angiogenesis. It's a process that actually we research it in cancer as it relates to the formation of tumors. But why it's important in this conversation is that if you develop wet macular degeneration, your eye is producing this angiogenesis and the injections that you're taking are trying to mute the angiogenesis. And if blood tests were done, you would find that this VEGF is at a high level. So the mechanism of reducing the new blood vessel growth from a causative factor and restoring the blood supply um, normally is due to using some herbal remedies that inhibit VG, VEGF, which will reduce the blood vessel formation. I want to go back to this last sentence here. VEGF forms part of the mechanism that tries to restore the blood supply to the macula, cells and tissues, when they are deprived of oxygenated blood due to a compromised blood circulation. So the reason why you're developing macular degeneration or diabetic retinopathy is because you're not getting enough nutrients into this area. So your body says, I'm gonna produce these new blood vessels, but unfortunately they are compromised and this creates the bleeding, the edema, and all of this happens. So if you start adding herbal remedies in your wet macular degeneration or diabetic retinopathy uh, formula, any one of these herbs, if you added these, could begin to reduce and inhibit this VEGF, which would then reduce the angi angiogenesis. So things like ginkgo, grapeseed extract, cinnamon, milk thistle, ginger, ginseng, quercetin, curcumin, bilberry. If you start either through your foods or through a supplement, 
this is a way for you to begin to reduce the AMD. And we know with AMD, we also want to include, you know, all the things I talk about, like the carotenoids and, you know, the, the eye nutrients, those kinds of things. But this is new. And so I want you to study it. I think it's really important. All right, so we have a number of people with conditions like uh, retinal detachment or retinal holes or lattice degeneration. Um, and the key in this is improving your microcapillary health. That's really important. And nitric oxide is another one of these ingredients that helps dilate the retina. So foods like beets, garlic, citrus fruit, fruits are gonna improve the microcapillary circulation. And we need this both for our macula and our retina. So the macula makes up 1% of the real estate of the retina and the, re and the peripheral is that 99% of the other and we need to include both of them together. So this is why the regimen of the, you know, the ACE, carotenoids, fats and oils, color therapy, continuum, all of these things can be helpful at bringing more circulation to the health of the retina. Sometimes light sensitivity has to do with the fact that the retina is not getting the proper circulation. So adding things, things like bilberry uh, are really helpful in reducing the light sensitivity. Again, there could be cataract reasons why as well. Lyme's disease is another indicator that can really wreak havoc either in dry eye or retinal circulation issues. Somebody wrote in about something called snail track degeneration. This is a retinal problem. And these are retinal lesions that uh, vary in size and they look a little bit like the, the retina is stretching. So you see these yellowish flecks and these lesions run along the vessels. They may be found in Wagner's or Stickler's disease. Again, it's treating it the same way, boosting your retinal circulation through these natural remedies. And of course, astaxanthin is something I really recommend, not only for macular health, but for overall um, retinal health. All right, I'm gonna take a break here and this is what I'd like to do right now. Let's see if there's a question. So pinguecula, let's talk about that for a minute. The pinguecula is on the front part of the eye. Um, we call it the sclera, which is the white part of the eye. This occurs because the connective tissue clump together and this creates um, irritation. I think what I would recommend um, would be to start off with the dry eye protocol, especially the MSM drops. Those are really great for the pinguecula. Somebody is asking, will these nutrient pro protocols be in the handouts? Yes, 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 they will be. So whatever you see on the screen, you will, uh, you will get it. 
So I think right now what I'd like to do is I'd like to take a little bit of a, a break. And in the break, what I would like us to do together as a group is something called the palm hum. So in this exercise, we're going to take the next few minutes. And I want you, you can take your glasses off. I want you to rub your hands together. I want you to cup them over your eyes. I want you to close your eyes and breathe in. And when you exhale, I want you to make a humming sound. And I'm gonna unmute you or you can unmute yourself if you want to, so we can hear each other. So go ahead and unmute yourself if you want to and rub your hands together, cup them over your eyes. When you breathe in through your nose, when you exhale, I want you to make a humming sound and I want you to do about 11 of those. All right, so let's, so it's just a hum on the exhale. you to go into open attention and what this is I'm going to mute you all again you can drop your hands keep your eyes closed and just feel and sense into your eyes and body just kind of notice what you feel Just stay with that relaxation. Keep your eyes closed. <clears throat> Notice how your breathing is different.
Okay, you can begin to open your eyes. You can look around. And why don't you type in the chat a word on what you're, what you experience, what you're feeling, what you, what you can see. Peace, relaxed, relaxed. Fresh, chest open, calm. Serene, sleepy. Energy, soft eyes. Itching, bright new day. Eyes warmer, energetic feeling. Cool. Lots of movement behind the eyes. That's excellent that you're getting that movement. Really good. Open chest, release. Okay, that's great. Face, neck, and chest still and soft. One new message. And should we do that every day? I think you should do it three times every day. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Um, take a couple of uh, questions from the <clears throat> audience. Question one is, can you regenerate the macula if you've got a macular condition? And the answer to that is, if the cells in the macula are not dead, then the answer is yes. The second question is, what if you can't keep your eyes closed? <clears throat> Let me just go back to that, make sure I get it. If you can't keep your eyes closed due to dryness. Well, I would definitely consider um, maybe doing some, some pretty proactive things, possibly um, if you can find it from your local pharmacy, a vitamin A ointment, um, you'd have to talk to a compound pharmacy to see if they would make that for you. But I would even put things like uh, aloe, vera, aloe vera, aloe vera gel, a small amount on the eyelids, castor oil. I would do the, the tea compresses I'm going to send you, lots of eye drops. Uh, like the MSM or the Oasis Tears. Again, you know, you're going to have to create enough momentum to, uh, to make the change. And you may need to do some allopathic things to, uh, to get the change. So it's just, um, you know, it's one of those, one of those questions um, that you have to be very uh, proactive and your eyes need a lot. So somebody is asking about ice 
compresses to reduce eye pressure and inflammation? No, I, I don't think so. I think with um, eye pressure, some of those herbal formulas, some craniosacral, uh, lymph, uh, jumping on a rebounder, inflammation, that's a systemic issue, and then probably the MSM eye drops, but ice compresses, no. Um, well, you give us resources to get the products, yes. Uh, it's overwhelming, I understand. How do I know if your macular cells are dead? Well, you can ask your doctor on um, doing an OCT on you and finding out um, where they're at. Do you know anything about stem cell pl placenta tissue? It's still experimental, so um, and it's still very expensive, so I'm not sure yet. Um, where would you start detox the body, MSM drops? Maybe try something like a golden seal, milk, milk thistle, herbal remedy that you would take to help with a liver detox, and then you could do the uh, MSM. You can regenerate the retina if the cells aren't dead. Um, I have never had anyone uh, with their eyes hurt using the 5% MSM. You may get some stinging or redness, which means that your detoxification pathway in the eye is not able to handle the detoxification agent of the MSM. So you need to slow it way down. Put a drop or two on a wet compress, the MSM drops, and then use it as a compress. If you do it that way, uh, you'll have no problem. You might consider doing this chamomile fennel compress with the um, rosebud, eye, rosebud eye, um, eye wash. Uh, so if your optometrist is saying that and he's not recommending surgery, <clears throat> no. Um, the thing with glaucoma is if, you know, he's under your care, is it a glaucoma su suspect? Do you have full-blown glaucoma? It's very difficult to diagnose. But knowing that information, I would start implementing all the things I'm sharing with you today, <clears throat> and then you can dissolve the cataracts and move away from being the glaucoma suspect. So somebody's asking about the Beamer, PEMF. Yes, I do use the Beamer, and it can be helpful in certain cases at bringing better circulation to the retina. So if you can't jump on the rebounder, what you could do is sit on it and just go up and down very slowly. I don't know if you can see me, just like that. You don't have to make a huge movement on the rebounder. It's just making that up and down. Or In other words, you just want to get some fluid movement going. You know, if you have had a hand injury, you may consider uh, craniosacral therapy as a way to help you boost uh, another uh, boost your lymph health. Another way that you could boost the lymph is through an essential oil called laurel leaf, bay laurel, put a couple drops on. And you see how I'm doing this with, this is a major lymph area. Do this twice a day. It's really helpful at, um, at doing that uh, and improving the lymph. What exercises can I use for the macula pucker? Um, so I have on my program 30 day, uh, 90 day eye clarity called uh, for macular degeneration. And that would probably be the one I would use, but I'm gonna get to the myopia, astigmatism, farsightedness, 
uh, double vision part of the uh, area um, in about two minutes. So I'll, I'll bring in the macular pucker in that exercise. Yes. So I did a video blog on um, the benefits of using a rebounder, improving lymphatic health and reducing glaucoma. You can easily Google that or look for uh, rebounder Dr. Byrne on Google and you'll get the video blog. What can you do if MSN ups uh, upsets the stomach? Um, I probably would just do the eye drops and uh, not do it systemically. Designs for Health sells a very nice MSM powder. It's in a capsule form, so you could try that. If, if someone is proactive in the items you listed, how long does it typically take to get improvements with floaters? Anywhere between two weeks and nine months. A lot of it depends on your overall toxicity level in the body, uh, but usually you'll start to see changes within a couple of weeks. Allergic to chamomile, does the fennel help by itself? Yes, it does. I have a tiny cyst on the bottom of my eyelid in the air follicle. How do I get rid of it? I would try, first of all, the castor oil massage. As long as it's not too close to the eye, if it doesn't help using the MSM massage and the castor oil, you could dry a tiny bit of apple cider vinegar, but you have to be very careful. I have my ocular myasthenia gravis. Um, yes. Mm, could it be causing some of your retinal issues? I would say indirectly. Um, I think that in that particular situation, boosting with the eye exercises and the eye nutrients and the eye drops, um, I think you could hook into supporting your retina better. And I would say the myasthenia gravis is in the background, but I wouldn't say it's the direct cause. Would eye bright eye drops with cayenne and then be helpful for improving eye circulation? Um, I tend to stay away with cayenne in the eye because it's going to be really strong. Um, it depends on the strength of the eye bright um, uh, eye drops. A lot of times they put eye bright in there, but it's a, such a small percentage. I would say doing my cataract protocol would be get you to the finish line uh, faster. I have a second burning with the 15% in my eyes. Will this burning diminish? Yes. So what you could do is like with the other person, just put a few drops on a wet cloth and put it on the outside part of the, your, your eye so that your eyes have a chance to get used to the MSM 15% or add the 5% afterwards and that will reduce the burning. If you have mercury dental work, do I replace? Yes, I do, especially if they're old because they could be leaching into your body. Is washing the eyelids with cloth and baby soap? No, I don't like using that for styes. I'd rather use natural remedies like the teas, the castor oil, the compresses. I tend to use more herbal. Uh, the baby soap, uh, no, I don't. I don't like that. So with Fuchs, again, you can go on my website, Google Fuchs Dystrophy, Dr. Byrne. I've done some video blogs on that. And uh, um, MSM eye drops would be great. That's what I would start with. And then uh, some of the other things that I recommend during that. 
what kind of MSM should be used for the retina? I would start with 5% and that will work well. Um, can a partially separated vitreous be restored? Probably not completely, but again, if you hydrate the vitreous and it starts expanding, you have a good chance of reducing the distortion that has been created. You can do the MSM and the castor oil back to back. You can alternate them so they work well together. Uh, you're overdue to an eye doctor for getting a new prescription. I can tell that my prescription has gotten worse. I want to start on your protocols. Yes, hold off. Do my protocols for a month and see if you can get some improvement. I'm going to talk about prescriptions in a little bit. Do some of the strategies help clear away blepharitis? Well, absolutely. If you look at the eyelid protocol that I showed at the, uh, the PowerPoint, which you'll be getting, definitely it will help uh, blepharitis. All right, I'm gonna go back and we're gonna now move to the part of the, um, part of the program that uh, is involved with refractive errors. Okay, I'm gonna mute everybody and here we go. All right, so a number of people sent me your prescription and they're in the minus three, minus four, minus five, some people minus 11. Um, so whatever your myopia thing is, it's a fear-based way of seeing, being caught in past perceptions. You use what we call a minus lens, so your perception could be more negative. You're in a hypervigilant state. You're in a hypervigilant state. Let's go back here. You're in a hypervigilant state, and all the out, although outer view is clear, inner vision is blurry. Inner vision is blurry. Trying to control the world externally through tension-based seeing. So I'm going to talk a little bit about myopia. And I can speak from this from a very um, personal place. Um, when I was eight years old, I was diagnosed with a learning disability. And my, my mom, bless her heart, she took me everywhere. And we ended up at an ophthalmologist's office and he gave me a pair of nearsighted glasses, not unlike many of you who are nearsighted. He also put astigmatism in it, and he said to me, your eyes are only going to go one way, they're going to get worse. And so I became a memorizer in school. That's how I got through school. And my nearsightedness got progressively worse every year because my eyes had more and more and more tension. When I was in my early 30s, I met a holistic eye doctor. His name was Dr. Albert A. Albert A. Shankman. And Dr. Shankman was my optometrist. And I went to him and I started to do vision therapy. And it took about six months and I completely dissolved my high myopia. And I could see the eye chart at 20-20. I also healed my learning disability because my learning disability was based on the fact that I had double vision. My two eyes did not work together. So I'm speaking from first 
hand experience that you can reduce your myopia. And this is, this is how you do it. Sorry. This is how you uh, reduce your myopia. The first thing to do is that whatever prescription you were given for distance, I know some people minus six, minus five, some people are in the minus three, minus five, this person is a minus nine or 11. Get a reduced prescription that's equal in both eyes without the astigmatism. Okay, now if they can't do this, contact us, we can do it for you, but go to your eye doctor, see if you can get it there. Another way you could talk to your eye doctor is say, hey doc, give me a prescription for the computer. 20, it's gonna correct you for seeing the eye chart at 2040, which is a bigger size letter than 2020. And when you get that prescription, it's gonna be a little blurry for you, but you wear it indoors. You start wearing it and you just get used to wearing something that's softer and more balanced, even though it might not feel that way. So you start wearing it and you're gonna notice within a couple of months that your eyes are going to feel more relaxed and you're gonna start seeing more clearly out of that eye, out of those eyes with that prescription. And if you couple that with doing my eye exercise program, the 90 day program for nearsightedness, you will definitely start seeing improvement in reducing your myopia and even your astigmatism. The one exercise that is the signature, signature exercise for people with myopia is my now famous plus lens to blur. Plus lens to blur, you can Google it. Plus lens to blur, Dr. Byrne. It'll show a video of my having you wear a reduced farsighted prescription in a certain context. And you're gonna find that when you take it off, your eyesight is gonna get really clear. So that's part of the, the, um, the exercise that is your signature exercise that's gonna start releasing the myopia. All right, so let's go on. Listen up on this one. The higher the diopter, so these people that are anything over minus four, and people wrote me their prescriptions, the likelihood this myopia started in early life. It could be energetic invasion, it could be abuse, it could be, and you may not even wanna think about these things, but what I want you to think about is spending the bottom thing here, the bottom sentence, Learn to spend some time in the blur daily. And you do this in a non-demanding, non-threatening situation. Okay? So you do it and you notice what the blur brings up for you. It's probably going to bring up a lot of, I'm out of control, um, I can't function, I'm afraid, it's probably gonna bring, and those are the things that were occurring for you when you got your very first prescription. So a question for everybody out there, whether you're nearsighted, farsighted, astigmatism, even double vision, 
What was going on for you at that time when you discovered this or you got your first prescription and there was probably either some stress or some confusion and you, uh, your eyes locked down. Myopia is about pulling the world in. Farsighted hyperopia is about pushing the world out. Astigmatism is about twisting the world. So this idea of learning to spend part of the day in blur, wearing a reduced prescription, doing the eye exercises is gonna start to unwind your vision. Okay, let's move on. So now we're talking about hyperopia. This is the magnifier situation. And usually it starts with up close in presbyopia, and you start wearing a magnification lens. And then if you start going into bifocals or progressive lenses, the magnification really takes off. You really get into this magnification. So what happens in farsightedness is it's about pushing the world away. And our eyes are not a machine. And so when you're doing a lot of screen time, this tends to amplify the hyperopia and the presbyopia. So hyperopia is a visionary way of seeing. You're always in the future. You see the whole, not the parts. Whereas in myopia, you're kind of seeing up close. It's detail. It's caught in the past. You're good at seeing the parts, but not bringing the whole picture together. When you wear a magnification lens, it creates a, a tonicity, a low tonicity. It means the muscles are flaccid. You lose your responsiveness. So your signature exercise is do the minus lens to blur. You're gonna wear the nearsighted lens as a farsighted person in your exercise regimen. Again, you can Google minus lens to blur Dr. Byrne and it's going to take you to a lot of video blogs. And it's brilliant to be able to wear an opposite lens prescription as a way to get your vision and eyesight back. Now, a couple more things about farsightedness. This would be the condition where if you want to read without the magnifier, get the pinhole glasses. The pinhole glasses help you for your reading without the negative side effects of what the plus lens is giving you. Second, if you're wearing a progressive lens, and this goes for whether you're nearsighted or farsighted, there's a gentleman who wrote, he's got cataracts, his eyes keep getting worse, all of that, and he's in progressive lenses, you are making your eyes even worse by trying to tunnel your vision through the three different compartments of the lens. When you are on your screen time, you need to wear one single vision lens because it gives you more peripheral vision and it's gonna reduce the stress in your eyes. I can't emphasize this point enough. It's probably one of the most important things I'm gonna to say today is that if you are wearing progressive lenses and you've got an eye condition that keeps getting worse, the progressive lenses are a major influencer in creating this deterioration, and you need to at least part-time wear a single vision lens in your most visually intensive experience, whether it's computer, phone, whatever. 
So that's very, very important. All right, astigmatism. This is often linked to myopia, but it also shows up in hyperopia. It's about confusion, mental confusion, where you twist the world, you twist the body. There's a relationship of the spine and the pelvis and your astigmatism. And if you start doing body work, rolfing, craniosacral, get yourself a non-astigmatism correction and you're going to find the astigmatism in the body will go away and the astigmatism in the eye will go away. All right, I want to talk a little bit about double vision because there are a number of people on, on the class with double vision. Suppression means that the two eyes are not married together. They're aiming at different places in space. So the brain creates a blind spot with one of the eyes, which is called suppression, or if it doesn't suppress one of the eyes, then the two eyes are not going to be matching up and the double vision is going to occur. So my advice would be jump into my eye clarity 90 day exercise program for strabismus double vision. Just start in on that. At the beginning, you're going to be working each eye separately. And so one of the ways for the brain to start to accommodate both eyes together is to do each eye separately, work with each eye separately, get a single vision prescription that's slightly reduced. You know, when there's a little bit of blur in your vision, there's more chance for the peripheral vision to come together. When you wear a super strong prescription for distance, it's going to trigger more double vision because each eye is working independently. There could be trauma attached to the double vision. So getting some cranial work could be helpful. But the bottom line is in double vision, you have to work each eye separately and wear a non-bifocal type of lens that's slightly reduced. It is a process of moving out of the double vision by working each eye separately, and that's what this exercise program is about. Double vision is very tied into stress. It's very tight, tied into trauma. It's very tied into fatigue and you know, like floaters, there are many different reasons why we get double vision. But at least at the beginning, if you can start doing the eye exercises, that is the way out of this maze. My last point on this is I talked about the outer vision and the inner vision. And in Chinese medicine, the right eye is the masculine energy it's connected to the left hemisphere of the brain. And it is the eye that tends to do more of the analyzing, thinking. It's the father. Whereas the left eye is the mother, the feminine. That's your right brain, spatial, creative, flow. You're not using it quite as much. So in this particular uh, exercise, which many of you know, is called the eye dialogue. 
And again, it is in my, uh, it's all over the place. If you Google iDialogue Dr. Byrne, you'll get it. If you go to my website, you'll get it. Um, the iDialogue is a great exercise if you're farsighted, if you're nearsighted, if you've got astigmatism, if you've got any eye disease, it will connect you more deeply to the eyes. So one of the key points here is that we want to blame faulty vision on the eyeball. And this is what the eye doctors do. You've got this condition. You've got that. We're going to give you Avastin for wet AMD. We're going to, we're going to do a vitrectomy because you've got, or an iridectomy because you've got glaucoma, or, you know, we're going to laser this, or we're going to do that. So they're looking at the diagnosis as a symptom. And we want to blame the symptom on the eye, but it's what our mind tells our eyes. It's the programming that affects our eyes. It's a very strong program. And if you've had laser surgery, PRK, I know some people have had surgery, laser surgery in the past. You're dealing with two types of prescriptions now. The prescription in the body before the surgery and the prescription in the eye after the laser surgery, well, guess what's stronger? The prescription in the body before the surgery, which is why many times the eye prescription doesn't hold. So this is where the physical eye therapy can be beneficial at getting the eye prescription with the body prescription more lined up. Okay, so... If you are nearsighted, start using a reduced nearsighted prescription part-time and do the plus lens to blur. If you're farsighted, get out of your bifocals at least part-time. Try to reduce your magnification. You can do this at the drugstore for maybe distance. Use pinhole glasses for reading. Do the minus lens to blur for if you're farsighted. And so these are ways that you can reduce both your farsightedness, your nearsightedness, and your astigmatism. And if I could do it, you can do it. Because in school, I was taught you can't do it. And it was a very difficult identity crisis when I experienced improvement in these exercises. And I had spent over $150,000 on a medical education that I completely invalidated. And I couldn't face that for a while. And of course, once I did, it was very freeing. And so I'm here to say, if I can do it, you can do it. It's a process. You've got to work every day at it. You've got to do these practices every day. Take 15 minutes and spend on doing your program, whatever it is partly diet, partly supplements, partly exercises. And let me speak for a few minutes about your diet and nutrition. I would definitely examine what foods you eat that may trigger inflammation. And I would eat an anti-inflammatory diet. I would eat a plant-based diet. If you do eat animal products, a wonderful diet is the Mediterranean diet. In fact, there have been studies that show that eating a Mediterranean diet reduces the risk of macular degeneration. 
And I also have seen it in my clinical practice, reduce cataracts, reduce glaucoma. So cleaning up your diet, finding a naturopathic doctor, getting some tests with, are you, do you have toxicities in your body? Healing your traumas, head trauma, emotional trauma, anything where you feel that emotionally it's affecting you. Using the MSM drops, using the, um, the, the nutrients, if you do all these things, you will start to see your eyes come out of these conditions. And this includes night vision issues, um, eye aches, tired eyes, uh, cataracts. Now, let me just say that if you've got like grades five cataracts, you might consider doing the surgery. You know, I recommended the surgery for my dad. My dad was in his 70s and he did my protocol. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't really a holistic person, but he did it and his eyes got better. And when he was in his uh, early 80s, he wanted to be able to drive at night. So I hooked him up with a surgeon. We did cataract surgery just for distance. So both eyes corrected for distance and it worked out beautifully for him. Cataract surgery is a 99.99% success rate. Stay away from all the fancy bells and whistles. So if you do get the cataract surgery, get both eyes corrected for distance, no astigmatism. Make sure after the surgery, you get the blue blockers because the plastic lens they put in the eye has no blue blocking agent. See, our original hardware does have some blue blocking capabilities. So you need to wear blue blockers, sunglasses for you know the times you need them. But if you've got a grade five and your cataracts are not getting better, say within six months of doing these protocols, then consider doing the surgery and you'll come out ahead because your eyes will see more clearly and you're doing these alternative things as well. So um, I would consider that. All right, we've got about 10 minutes left and I want to um, do some questions and uh, then we'll, we'll see what happens next. So somebody's asking about hydrating the vitreous with water intake. Um, so it may be the type of water you're drinking. There's something called structured water. You can, you can get a filter from a company called Natural Action Technology. And then structured water is a higher um, quality water that absorbs into the cells better. I did research on structured water. So it may be that your water is not um, at a high quality level and that's why you're feeling thirsty. It also could be your adrenals that are overworking. So um, you might get checked. You can do a saliva test with your doctor for thyroid health, adrenal health. Uh, so your sympathetic nervous system may be overworking, which creates a chronic drying out. Um, more fats and oils in your diet would also be helpful. Um, so those would be some of the things I would consider. What happens if you have both nearsightedness and farsightedness? Well, 
in that particular case, what you have to ask yourself is what, what um, prescription is most negatively impacting you? So if you're nearsighted, you can see well up close. If you're farsighted, you can't see well up close. So whichever one is giving you the biggest problem, that's where I would start. So let's say, for example, it's farsightedness. Then I would start in with the minus lens to blur <clears throat> for that part of your vision, work on that for a while, and then switch and work on the nearsightedness. But basically, nearsighted is pulling the world in. Farsightedness is pushing the world out. And so you're in a push-pull in your life through your vision. And I think that you have to decide where you want to plug in. So if you have astigmatism and nearsightedness, what combination would you use? Well, what I would recommend for that is I would get a pair of nearsighted glasses that would correct you mostly for distance, and I would take the astigmatism out. And I would just wear them in non-demanding situations and experience your vision through the non-astigmatism correction. And at first it may feel disorienting, it may feel a little wobbly, but what will happen over time is the astigmatism in the eye, the twisting will go away because the glasses or the contacts don't have the twist in them to support the embeddedness of the twist in the eye. So again, do it in non-demanding situations. Don't try to focus too hard with it. And you will notice over time, your eyes are gonna feel much more relaxed in the non-astigmatism correction. Is it necessary to wear sunglasses? I would say in the brightest part of the day, if you're experiencing glare, get a neutral brown or a neutral gray sun lens that doesn't distort the color and use it for those times when you feel your eyes need some protection. Um, early in the morning, late in the afternoon, evening, those would be the best times to get the natural sunlight um, without the sunglasses. So should we wear separate glasses for distance computer and reading rather than have progressive lenses or computer reading combo? Start with one single vision lens in the most intensive area where you use your eyes. Keep your progressives. Say if you're gonna drive and go to the grocery store, it's nice to have that option. Don't change everything at once. I would say start with getting a nice pair of computer glasses and single vision with the blue blockers and see how that feels for you. See how you respond to that. You're gonna find over time, Jennifer, that because the single vision lens is gonna give you so much more peripheral, your eyes are gonna to start to feel more relaxed and now you're bought in. You bought, you've bought into it and then you can take a look at maybe getting a second prescription, keep the progressives, maybe for driving. And you'll notice when you drive, you have more lens to look through then through the progressive lenses. So start slowly, start with one lens, don't change it all at once and see how you do with it. You mentioned distance only for cataract surgery. Should that they include astigmatism? 
It depends on how much astigmatism. If you have over, say, 1.25 diopters of astigmatism, I might consider it. But the problem comes in is that I find that people that get the astigmatism put into the intraocular lens have a really hard time adjusting to them. And maybe what you could experiment with is getting a pair of glasses without the astigmatism in it and seeing how you do with it. And if you do well with it, then that's going to signal you to say, I don't need astigmatism in the uh, cataract lenses. So I think you need to take the next step to see how you would tolerate without them. But the one thing I know is when I had astigmatism and I went through my vision therapy, I was so happy that I didn't have the astigmatism anymore. And when I would put on the prescription, I would feel how tight and distorted my eyes used to feel. Okay, somebody's asking about brands for uh, essential oils. Lotus, Garden, Botanicals, and Original, Swiss, Aromatics, and Still Point Aromatics are three really quality companies that you can use. Um, do you see people who've had PRK heal their eyes through your program? Absolutely, yes. You need to do some post-surgical physical therapy to mend the body prescription with the eye prescription. What about essential oils? What would 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 I recommend some? So I will put uh, in the handouts my eye protocol for essential oils. There are three that I use: fennel carrot seed, and frankincense, and I put them at my hairline here, here, and here. So first the fennel, then the carrot seed right on top, and then the frankincense. You will get a boost of peripheral vision and eye relaxation by using those. So I will send a, a handout on that. Thanks for, thanks for that. Do you know about photobioillumination, light therapy for cataracts and other eye diseases? Yes. So I did a, a video blog on that. You could Google it. Um, again, I think as a, an adjunct supportive therapy, it can help, but I think you need to be more direct with cataracts using the eye drops and the nutrients. And even for other eye diseases, the more direct you can be, and then you can add these light therapy uh, techniques as a support system. I think that's the best way to go. I can see, well, up close with my glasses or my contacts, yet my eye doc insists on correcting me for nearsight. I went to two eye docs and they both said the same thing. So I think what I would suggest is a couple of things, if I get this right. Undercorrect yourself in the contacts slightly for distance and you will be able to read up close with that prescription. That's a technique I use quite a bit with people that are nearsighted. The other thing I would say is get a single vision prescription for distance for your nearsightedness and just take your glasses off when you read 
and I think you're good to go. Again, you know, most eye doctors are trained optically that they want to get you corrected at all distances using a lens. Unfortunately, that thinking uh, is going to make your eyes much worse and much more dependent on your eyes. It's not the way I like to go with it. If your primary need for glasses is to be able to read, would you recommend just getting readers? Yes. And I would get those readers in the most minimal prescription without eye strain. And of course, if you're using an iPad, you can change the size of the print. So you may not even need readers. Or the other thing you could do to avoid the dependency of the readers is use pinhole glasses instead. The optometrist says that my cataracts and glaucoma have gotten worse because I don't wear sunglasses. Is that true? No, it is not true. Um, the sunglasses are the least of it. What it has to do with is the very first slide I showed you, which is improving the circulation <clears throat> in your eyes. That Those are the things that need to happen so that you can push metabolic waste away from the lens of the eye and improve the circulation for, for a glaucoma suspect. So what it is, Mary, it's about improving the vascular health in your eyes. You can certainly wear the sunglasses if you're feeling glare or light sensitivity, but to say that sun, not wearing your sunglasses is causing these conditions is basically a myth. It's not true. How can you use blue blockers if you have myopia? Well, you, it depends. You could use just blue blockers without a prescription for your digital time. So there's no prescription for computer or reading. That's what we do for my myopic people. Um, I sell those on my web store, so you could go over that. Are over-the-counter reading glasses not recommended? <laughs> over-the-counter reading glasses are fine. You can certainly use them, um, and I would consider getting the weakest prescription that you possibly can get where you still see your books clearly. And by the way, the prescription that you use for reading is too strong for you if you're using it for the screen, for the computer, because the computer is farther away. And if you're using a magnification lens, say you're using a plus two for reading, you should use a, a lower number plus 150 for your screen time. Which supplement I support or Aston Xanthan or both? Mine on my web store. We're sold out, but we'll be getting them in. That's where you can do it. Uh, what can I do for photopsies? That's a tough question. Um, I think the thing about it is that you may consider tints on your glasses that could help you. Um, that's more of an external correction to get more contrast. Um, there isn't really a whole lot that you can do for it. Um, I would definitely boost your eye nutrients, but um, that's a tough one. ETA, when whole health eye formula back in stock, uh, just heard from the manufacturer, it'll be shipped February 22nd. How do you use the Beamer for eye care? Uh, I use it at intensity one with the pad over the eyes, intensity one laying on the mat, eight minutes, once or twice a day. Put the eye drops in first 
And when you put the pad over the eye, it eyes, it pushes the eye drops further in. Do not go any higher than eight minutes at intensity one. If you do the protocols to address the nearsightedness, but don't address or know how to address the internal emotional, do you think there will still be vision improvements? Absolutely, yes. Um, the emotional aspects will get you to zero myopia. But if you want to start experiencing improvement in your myopia, do the plus lens, the blur, do the uh, eye dialogue, wear a reduced prescription in your myopia, and your eyes will feel much more open and relaxed. You will feel much more open and relaxed. And only if someday the emotions come out, great. If they don't, you're still going to get improvement. I can't read a thing without glasses that can that be improved. Well, yes, and start your eye exercise program where there's no reading demand on you. So initially, do it in a, a situation, a circumstance where there's no reading and start doing my eye exercises and use the, the window looking out at the trees as a barometer, whether you can start to get better and also maybe start wearing a slightly reduced prescription. So those would be the ways I can start, but most definitely you can improve your vision even if you can't read much. That's the way I was. I could barely read the big E on the eye chart without my glasses when I was eight years old. So again, if I can do it, you can do it, but it's a process. It's not an overnight, you've got to attend to it and interrupt the pattern. Thank you for listening. I hope you learned something from the Eye Clarity podcast show today. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and leave a review. See you here next time.